Rose Cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. Kittens are. This is Sports Crunch with DCROM. I'm your host, David Cromelo. And it's hard to believe that only six weeks remain in the 2021 NFL regular season. It seems like it was just yesterday when it started in Tampa in September. But right now, 26 of the 32 teams are either currently in a playoff spot or within just one game of the final playoff spot in their respective conference. And Hal Bent should we be preparing for a surprise team or two that we are talking about right now to end up in the playoffs? I don't see why not, David. The way the, you know, the first three quarters of this season have gone, anything is possible. It's putting the wild in the wild card race, and especially that, that last wild card, the seventh team, that could have something really fun and really interesting going on with that one. Oh, absolutely, Hal. And by the way, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving, and I hope all of you listening had a wonderful Thanksgiving as well. And uh, Week 12 brought its fair share of turkeys and heroes as well. And uh, let's talk about our main takeaways from Week 12. You go first here, Hal. Well, sure. First thing uh, I noticed is we've got a lot of high-profile quarterbacks coming down the stretch of the last quarter of the season that are ailing and or struggling at the same time. And I'm looking at Matthew Stafford turning into Detroit Lions' Matthew Stafford, Ben Roethlisberger looking like he's five years older than Tom Brady, Baker Mayfield crumbling physically, uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, um, yeah, COVID-19 maybe, but boy, those interceptions piling up. Ryan Tannehill, lack of targets, lack of production. And Russell Wilson, maybe he should have taken a couple more weeks off because he has not looked good. And these high-profile quarterbacks looking bad. And for these teams, that's playoff implications coming down the wire. These teams could be in or out or really struggling. Oh, absolutely. And for Russell Wilson's sake, it's kind of sad because this could very well be his final month as a Seattle Seahawk. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, we talked when he first came back about, it seemed way too early. And I, I think you called that perfectly, David. It looks like he was hurting the team being back these last few weeks. And that may have knocked Seattle out of the playoff race for sure. And, you know, like you said, Ending it on a down note, not very good for Seattle. Definitely not. And here are my takeaways from week 12. First of all, I owe a big apology to the Cincinnati Bengals. I am so sorry I had my doubts about you this past Sunday. Not only did you beat the Steelers, you clobbered the Steelers. You beat the Steelers with a Steeler-esque game plan of winning up front, running the ball, Joe Mixon, a career day that day. And on defense, you uh, obviously made Big Ben look his age. And Mike Hilton getting the sweetest revenge of all against his former team with a pick six off Roethlisberger. Oh, my goodness, Bengals. Did you make a statement? The Cincinnati Bengals, we can't treat them lightly anymore, folks. They are a legit playoff contender and a legit contender for AFC North Division champions. I am not kidding. Cincinnati Bengals, you are legit and you proved it once and for all with your demolition of the Steelers on Sunday. And 
I think it's time to start really thinking about the possibility of Super Bowl 56 being Brady's Bucks against Bill Belichick, Mac Jones, and these New England Patriots. It is very, very possible. Maybe a week four could have just been an appetizer for what's to come, should that indeed be the Super Bowl. But it's hard to find anybody playing better than the New England Patriots are right now. And the Bucks are getting healthier week after week. And we know Tom Brady in the playoffs is a guy you can't bet against. So Brady versus Belichick in the Super Bowl, a realistic possibility that we should all be thinking about right now. That is my main takeaway from week 12. And now it's time to play our favorite game on this program, Truth or Exaggeration. You know how this game works, Sal. I make a statement and you have to determine whether I'm telling the truth or whether I'm exaggerating and explain why you think so. The San Francisco 49ers are the best NFL team in the entire state of California right now. Truth or exaggeration? Yeah, I'm going to go truth. They're winning. They're hot. We'll see with how they handle Debo being out for a couple of games. But the Rams are in a tailspin. The Chargers, you know, that Chargers defense, I'm not sure what's going on with that defense. So many star players can't get out of their own way. You know, the offense, that they're not even trying to run the ball right now. They're setting up their young, dynamic quarterback for failure. And everything is clicking in San Francisco. We're seeing what that offense can be with a healthy, well-protected, comfortable Jimmy Garoppolo, who's not being asked to win the games, but manage them. The defense coming on for San Francisco as well. Yeah, best team in California, I'd have to say. There's a much better chance than many think of the Cowboys not winning the NFC East. Truth or exaggeration? Uh, I, I've got to go with an exaggeration. I think we saw, you know, all that enthusiasm about the Eagles. Yes, they have an easy schedule, but boy, did they lay a big egg last week. You know, the Giants, forget it. They've been out of it since week three. You know, I'm really coming around on Washington. I think if that deep defense can keep improving uh Tyler Heineke what a great story he is but I think that's more of the NFC East is in a race for that seventh wild card spot more so than uh pushing Dallas Dallas just has too much talent and they've got the quarterback and that's going to be enough for them to cruise uh to the NFC East title so a little bit of an exaggeration there Moving on to another NFC division leader, the Arizona Cardinals will win the NFC West. Truth or exaggeration? Oh, yeah, truth. I mean, they're three up on San Francisco, you know, with six to play. They, that, they should be able to hold that lead. They're coming off the bye. You've got Kyla Murray healthy again. It's going to be on cruise control. Arizona is going to take the West. Definitely a truth there. While the Cardinals should be favored to take the NFC West, the Packers at this time should be considered the favorites to earn the NFC's number one playoff seed. Truth or exaggeration? I think that's a truth. They're playing the best of anybody probably in the NFL right now. They've overcome so many injuries already. Now they're going to start getting some of these guys back at the end of the season. And heaven forbid they get a bye week for the first round to get everybody back rested, healthy, get your quarterback, Aaron Rodgers toe straightened out. 
yeah, they're the cream of the crop right now, not only in the NFC, but I think in all of the NFL. Oh, absolutely. Fantastic point there, Hal. I thought their makeshift offensive line was going to struggle badly against that Rams from there, Donald Von Miller. They dominated. Wow. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, every week it looks like, you know, I've just been waiting for that team to fall apart and they're just so mentally strong. They have that next man up attitude. They don't make any excuses for their injuries. They go out, they hold each other accountable, they perform. That's a winning team right there. Oh, absolutely, Hal. And also, this team is playing like they know this is the last dance with Aaron Rodgers. They're playing like this is indeed their last season together, and they're playing like it's championship or bust. Yeah, as much as that was the Rams motto, I think it's really the Green Bay motto because the Rams are falling off with injuries and attrition and green bay is just keeping their foot on the gas pedal it's a great thing to watch uh, if you're a fan of the green bay packers or just a fan of football in general indeed and we go to the las vegas raiders who should extend Derek carr shortly after their season ends truth or exaggeration you know i i think that's a truth i like carr i think he's a very good quarterback in the right situation. I think getting away from Gruden is probably going to be helpful to him in the long term as well. And for the Raiders, I mean, unless you're planning realistically to get Russell Wilson or uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, do they want to go to the Raiders? Maybe. Do you have enough to get them? Maybe, maybe not. But you know, it's hard to find an upgrade on Carr right now on the market out there, realistically. He's good enough for them to win. I think there's a lot of other pieces around him that still need to be added. And hopefully Mike Mayock, without whatever John Gruden's been doing the last couple of years, can figure that out and get those pieces around him. So, yeah, I would definitely say I'd be keeping Carr if I was Mike Mayock in Las Vegas. Speaking of Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, the Browns should go all in on trying to trade for either of those two star quarterbacks this offseason. Truth or exaggeration? I think it's a truth. You know, we talked at the beginning of the year, the talent Cleveland has on both sides of the football and what's been hurting them the most. Sure, there's been injuries on the offensive line and that running back and the whole Odell situation. Uh, the defense not quite performing as expected and a lot of injuries in that secondary as well. But, you know, the Baker Mayfield, you know, again, there's a quarterback that in the right situation and the right offense can thrive. I don't think that's going to be Cleveland right now. Cleveland's built for a championship right now. It clearly isn't going to happen this season. It's a wasted year. So that clock is ticking. If I'm in Cleveland, I'm making a big run for a marquee quarterback who can put me in the Super Bowl in 2022. I would expect that from the Browns as well. And going to their in-state counterpart, the Cincinnati Bengals, where Zach Taylor deserves serious consideration for Coach of the Year honors. Truth or exaggeration? Oh, that's a definite truth. I mean, we talk about it all the time with the Coach of the Year, um, you know, 
the guys who should be getting it that are never going to get consideration, the John Harbaugh's, uh, the Mike Vrabel's who's got their team, you know, they're still going to finish first in their division like expected, but the way they got their great coaching gets overlooked because the coach of the year really is going to the coach who brings in the, the most surprising team, the team that nobody expected to be a playoff team, to be a, be a contender. And as far as Cincinnati, I can tell you uh, definitely a big surprise there for most of the country. You know, they're in position. I think they're the favorites to finish above Baltimore here and actually win the AFC North. And definitely, uh, definitely a truth. Coach of the year definitely should be part of that discussion here um, for Zach Taylor and the Bengals. I agree as well. And now it's time to play a game called this or that. And in this game, I present a dilemma with two possible options and you make a decision and you explain why you made that particular choice. Which rookie defensive player has had the more impressive season? Odafe Owe or Patrick Sertan the second? Well, you know, you know, Sertan, especially <laughs> recently, is jumping off of the screen with some of those big plays he's been playing. But um, Odafe Owe has been fantastic as well. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they've both been great. But I would give a slight edge to Sertan. Um, you know, he's just been fantastic as advertised, uh, number one cornerback potential, no doubt about it. And you're seeing it here and, and improving as the season goes along as well. Uh, nothing against Oway, but I'm going to go with Sertain in this case. I agree both have been equally as good, but even though I'm a Broncos fan, I'm going to go with Oway because Everybody expected Sertan to pick up the NFL relatively quickly because he's the son of a former All-Pro corner, Patrick Sertan Sr. He played under Nick Saban in Alabama in a pro-style defense, so he knew what to expect in the NFL right off the bat, and he was wired like a, a three-year veteran coming in, as people inside the Broncos said. So this isn't surprising. Owe was very raw coming in. He was a, a freakish athletic prospect, but uh, he didn't necessarily have the uh, box score stats to back that up in college. But uh, as they say, box score scouting is for losers, and he's proven it, and he's become a stud much quicker than most anybody anticipated. That's why I would go with Owe, that being the tiebreaker here, but it is a tough call indeed. Which current offensive coordinator would be a better option as the next head coach of either the Bears or the Jaguars, either Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence could use either one of them. Who would you pick? Byron Leftwich or Greg Roman? That is a tough call there. I mean, both both deserving um, head coaches here for sure. Um, you know, Byron Leftwich obviously doing a fantastic job as offensive coordinator. Um, Greg Roman just, you know, the, the things that he's done in Baltimore, the growth of, you know, that offense around Lamar Jackson, I, I would just give him that slight edge because of that creativity and the ability to keep that running quarterback and build that offense to the strengths of the player or the, the strengths of the, that quarterback it's got to give him a little bit of an edge. So I'm going to go with Roman in this situation, but both great choices by far for either team. 
Yeah, hopefully uh, one will go to the uh, Jaguars and one or Brian Dable will go to the Bears because both Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields need head coaching upgrades ASAP. And moving on to the 2022 NFL Draft, where the Detroit Lions, should they end up with the number one overall pick, who should they take? Oregon defensive end Kayvon Thibodeau or Michigan defensive end Aiden Hutchinson? You know, I don't think they can go wrong either way in that situation. Both great players. Uh, you know, Hutchison putting up the stats for Michigan. Local boy. It's a great story there. Uh, if Detroit, you know, doesn't pass on him and picks him up, obviously great choice. Thibodeau, though, is the closest to the generational pass rusher that impact of a, a Bosa or a Watt coming out on the field and, you know, not just changing your, your pass rush, but, um, you know, making that defense around you better. So as much as I'd love to see Hutchison there, uh, the local boy is the number one pick. I, I, I think if I'm running the Lions, I got to go with Thibodeau just because just that little extra that he has, that extra, um, athleticism and potential to be so great and uh, the lions also have an extra good source on Kayvon Thibodeau in their old building his college teammate who he faced off at practice all the time Panay Sewell yes yes excellent point there as well so I mean again can't go wrong either way but but you know you don't want to mess up that number one pick when you have it and in a year with no quarterback that looks deserving to be that number one pick you've got to get that impact defensive player uh you can't you know have a defensive player who's not going to you know impact your entire team so Thibodeau I think is the choice for Detroit uh yes he may be a narrow favorite in my mind right now although Aiden Hutchinson has closed the gap considerably and they would be foolish not to have an in-depth conversation on both prospects because Hutchinson is deserving of that number one spot as well more than any other non-Kayvon Thibodeau prospect in this draft at the moment which team is more likely to miss out on the playoffs the Bills or the Rams you know I'm gonna say the Rams just because they've got that tough tough schedule they've been in a tailspin you know, Matthew Stafford's admitting he's banged up. The bye week's behind him. He's not supposed to be coming out saying he's banged up a week after the bye week. So, uh, you know, after the Jaguars this week, it's at Arizona, Seattle, at Minnesota, at Baltimore, San Francisco. That's a killer schedule down the stretch. Uh, you know, I, I think the Bills are pretty safe to, to get into that uh, playoff. You know, yes, New England, Tampa Bay, two games against New England, but finishing the season, Atlanta and the Jets, uh, the Bills are going to be cakewalking into, if not the AFC East, at least a wild card spot without uh, too much difficulty. So, yeah, I got to go with the Rams in this case. Oh, very good point about that schedule for the Rams. That is brutal indeed. And speaking of the Buffalo Bills, they host your New England Patriots on Monday Night Football for our game of the week for the AFC East lead. And let's talk about the Bills for a moment. You tweeted about him just a couple days ago, an underrated player. 
for this Buffalo Bills team is rookie right tackle Spencer Brown out of Northern Iowa. As Joe Marino, a big Buffalo Bills fan and brilliant football mind currently with the Draft Network, noted a few weeks ago, the difference in several key metrics with Brown on the field compared to without him is absolutely staggering. And I mean staggering. In four games with Spencer Brown this year, the Bills have averaged 38.5 points a game, 448 yards per game, and 135 rushing yards per game. But in five games without Spencer Brown, those numbers dropped to 25.2, 364, and 111, respectively. What makes Spencer Brown so, so important to this Buffalo Bills offense? Well, I mean, tackle position nowadays, you've got pass rushers on both sides. It's not like it was, you know, in the 80s and 90s where you just needed a left tackle and you could throw a body out there on the right side and it didn't make any difference at all. Um, you know, Brown is massive, six foot eight. He's got those long arms, makes such an impact in the passing game. And like you mentioned as well, in the running game, he likes to play with an edge. And I think the rest of the offensive line, you know, when you see that, you pick up on it, you see the young, hungry guy out there throwing people around in that running game. They can't help but get excited and want to get in on that action as well. And that's a big part of Spencer Brown's game and what he brings to the Bills. Yes, and they will almost certainly need him and that run blocking of his on Monday night because trying to analyze Bill Belichick is a fool's errand. He's obviously the GOAT when it comes to coaching football, but in terms of the basic game plans that he puts together, they're kind of easy to explain, dare I say. Yes. Because uh, just look at what Bill Belichick did that put him on the map as a series head coaching candidate decades and decades ago in Super Bowl 25 as Giants defensive coordinator where he crafted that game plan where he dropped eight, nine, even 10 guys back into coverage and dared Jim Kelly and the Bills to just give the ball to Thurman Thomas all game long. Should we expect a similar game plan from Belichick this Monday night? Yes, exactly. That's This is what he did uh, against the Chargers with Justin Herbert and basically said, I'm taking away the top. There's no big game, big plays in the passing game that we're going to allow. We're going to make you, you know, convert third and five, third and six consistently. You're going to have to have double digit play drives if you want to score. And if you can do that, we'll tip your hat to you. But we're flooding the field with secondary players. We're going to have extra cornerbacks and extra safeties out there. You want to run the ball, you can run all day. Um, I don't think he's afraid to let teams get yards. And we've seen all year long what's been consistent with this Patriots defense is when they get inside the 10-yard line, all of a sudden teams can't run the ball when they're ready for it. And they don't give up a lot of touchdowns in the red zone. That red zone defense really gets strong. You see the turnovers. You see the team settling for field goals. And that's just classic Bill Belichick. We've been watching him do that kind of defense for 20 years in New England. And I think we're going to see that exact same game plan against Buffalo here on Monday night. I wouldn't expect anything else, Sal. I totally agree. And when analyzing the key matchups that will decide this game, a big potential mismatch in favor of the Patriots 
is that behemoth offensive line of big Buddhas, dare I say, of like 330-plus <laughs> pound uh, run-blocking uh, monsters, so to speak, going up against a super light Bills defensive line of guys less than 300 pounds with Ed Oliver and A.J. Epinesa, uh, Gregory Rousseau. Uh, this is a Bills defensive line that is built to play from ahead, not from behind. And going up against the Patriots, uh, it could really, really ruin that formula for the Bills. And uh, But thankfully, they should get Starla Tule back for this game. He could be the deciding factor between a win or loss for Buffalo in this game. Oh, Latula is such an important part of that Buffalo defense because they need that, like you said, that that big anchor in the middle of their defensive line. If they can't stop the run, they're in for a long, long game. And, and like you said, that Patriots offensive line right now is playing so well. Um, the scary part for the Patriots is not only their highest rated by PFF offensive linemen, He's also the highest rated player on the team per PFF. Michael on when you can't even get on the field. He, he's a star at guard and at tackle. And with Trent Brown back at right tackle, there's no room for him on the offensive line. He's been coming in as the tackle eligible, rotating in for a series to give Brown a breather or Ted Karras at left guard, uh, who's been playing very well. And I think the, the veteran addition of Karras at left guard has really made Isaiah win at left tackle, who had a real rough start to the season, ended up on the COVID list, was piling up holding penalties, and his plays really improved since Karras slid in at left guard uh, when Brown was hurt and on when you was out there. So you've got an offensive line that's clicking, that's big, that's strong, and they love to get out and pull and run the ball, you see the, those offensive linemen out there in front of the running backs, and they're just having way too much fun doing that. So, yeah, for the Bills, they've got to get a lead. They've got to be able to unleash that pass rush and get the Patriots out of the running game and into a situation where Mac Jones is going to have to throw the ball 35, 40 times for the Bills to really slow down that offense. Oh my goodness, Hal, you said it. This Patriots offensive line is eerily similar to that Eagles offensive line in 2017. That was the reason the Eagles beat the Patriots in that Super Bowl. Oh my God. And the Patriots could win a Super Bowl this year in large part because of their offensive line too. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, that that offensive line with the Eagles, you know, you think about it, Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, uh, Brandon Brooks, Wisniewski. I mean, they were just throwing people. Around. Of course, Jason Peters, a beast there as well. Oh, that offensive line was like, you know, offensive lineman's dream. They could pass protect. They loved to, to run block uh, a team like that. When you've got those big guys uh, setting up your offense, you're in great shape to start with right there. So, so yeah, that that's going to be a huge part for the Patriots. If they can establish the run and they can out physical this bills team, um, you know, very physical on defense as well should be a fun matchup to see. While we know that bill Belichick is going to take away as much of the bills aerial attack as he can a matchup. Whenever there's a one-on-one -on -one in this game, 
is going to be super fascinating with Stefan Diggs, arguably a top three, if not uh, definitely 100%, a top five wide receiver in this game against arguably the guy who's been playing better than any corner in the NFL in recent weeks and months, JC Jackson. Oh my God. He has like more interceptions than, uh, uh, than penalty flags uh, in yep. recent weeks. He's, he's given up eight complete, uh, I'm sorry, quarterbacks have completed eight passes against JC Jackson in the last four games. The problem is four of those completions were to Jackson. Oh man. <laughs> that says it all, dude. Exactly. Oh. Yeah, so Jackson going up against Diggs, I mean, this is going to be great and and for Jackson as well. Don't forget last year at the end of the season uh when Jackson was promoted to the number 1 cornerback and the Patriots practice squad went up against the Bills in week 16. JC Jackson got lit up by Stefan Diggs. Three second half touchdowns um, just left him in the dust. So, you know, JC Jackson has had this game circled and he's really looking forward to this rematch against Stefan Diggs. Uh, the JC Jackson revenge game, it could very, very well be. And let's make our picks for Monday night's game. I'll be happy to go first here. I like the Patriots in this game. Like I said, aside from the Packers, as you mentioned at the top of the program, I can't find any team playing as good or better football than the New England Patriots are right now. And people, uh, yeah, Matt Jones may be a rookie, but he was lights out last week against a very, very good Tennessee Titans defense. And if uh, Matt Jones has to throw the ball 30 to 35 times in this game, I think he can do it. I think he really can. Matt Jones has progressed faster than most anybody expected, but he's already turning into a Derek Carr, Matt Ryan level quarterback. And that is a quarterback that can take a Bill Belichick coach team very, 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 very far. And the, the size mismatch between the Patriots offensive line, and the Bills defensive line is going to be just too much for the Bills out physical. I like the Patriots in this game. I hope you are right, David. You know, traveling to Buffalo in December is difficult for any team, any matchup. Uh, the Patriots defense, one big, big loss. Kyle Duggar testing positive for COVID-19. He's the, the dynamic second-year safety has been fantastic this year. He's leading the team in tackles. Uh, he's been the primary coverage on the tight ends. And with the Bills, that means Dawson Knox all of a sudden has the Patriots' second-best coverage defender on him instead of Kyle Duggar. And again, like we talked about, if the Bills can take advantage of that and get a lead early with that home field advantage here, I don't know. It's going to be a close one. I think it's a coin flip. It'll come down to the end of the game. I'm going to say Buffalo 27, New England 24. You and I have a similar approach to predicting games with our favorite teams in them. That's all I can say. <laughs> we're, we're, we've got to be realists, David, right? We, we absolutely take... have to be realists. I completely agree. We're no homers <laughs> on this show, and that that's what makes uh, this show worth listening to, folks. And speaking of picking games, let's pick the rest of these Week 13 games starting tonight in New Orleans, where the New Orleans Saints will be starting Taysom Hill Take uh, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, who will be getting CeeDee Lamb back and Amari Cooper pack. Uh, I think this game is going to be close. I do expect the Saints to end up covering the spread at the end of the day, but uh, with uh, 
Michael Gallup, obviously back. He's been back for several weeks now. Getting CeeDee Lamb back and now getting Amari Cooper back, even though it's just as a decoy, that just will do wonders for Dak Prescott in this game. Dak did all he could to will the Cowboys, who were shorthanded to a win on Thanksgiving over the Las Vegas Raiders, but their defense, unfortunately, let them down. That's not going to be the case this time because the Cowboys have um, the band back together on offense for this game. The Saints are going to make it tough on them for about three quarters, but I think the Cowboys, due to their superior talent, uh, pull away in the fourth quarter. Uh, the Saints may uh, cover the spread with a garbage-type touchdown, though. I like the Cowboys 31-28. to 28. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that, David. I, you know, I initially thought maybe New Orleans could pull off the upset with with Dallas, you know, kind of in a tailspin, but getting C.D. Lamb back is huge for Dallas all on its own. You know, getting Mark Ingram back isn't doesn't quite have the same, um, you know, pizzazz for New Orleans. And, you know, I'm still not sold on Taysom Hill as a starting quarterback in the NFL. I don't think we've seen quite enough of him as a primary quarterback. You know, I he's still got to prove it to me as far as I'm concerned. So until he can drop back, lead that team on multiple drives to score, I'm going to go with the Cowboys as well here. I've got a Dallas 34, New Orleans 24. Tom Brady in the books after a huge win over the Colts last weekend in a very hard fought game led by Leonard Fournette traveled to Atlanta to take on the Falcons who are still very much in the mix for that final seventh wild card seed in the NFC. Now, uh, Cordero Patterson and Kyle Pitts, they're going to be tough for this uh, Bucks defense, but I just do not trust this Falcons defense going against Tom Brady. I think it's going to be kind of like their meeting in Atlanta last year where uh, the Falcons uh, kept it tooth and nail and were even leading most of the game until Brady came back. It's going to be kind of like that. The Falcons might be leading at halftime by like a field goal, but then Brady and the Bucks just turn it on in the second half like they did last week. I like the Bucks over the Falcons 28 to 20. Yeah. I mean, Atlanta just doesn't have the, the defense to be able to, to stop Tampa for, you know, like you said, maybe a quarter, maybe a half, but I don't see it. Uh, lasting that long. It's just a war of attrition here. Tampa is superior on both sides of the ball. We've seen Atlanta, you know, their whole offense is Cordero Patterson right now. Um, that's kind of scary. I think Tampa pulls away here in the second half, 35 to 19 over the Falcons. The Arizona Cardinals are expected to get both Kyler Murray and maybe DeAndre Hopkins back this week coming off their bye as they travel to Chicago to take on the Bears coming off their Thanksgiving win. Uh, it was a barely uh, <laughs> win against the uh, tough as nails Detroit Lions. And I like the Cardinals in this game, but I have a feeling Justin Fields and the Bears do whatever they can to keep it close and cover the spread. The Cardinals win, but I think Justin Fields has another great game. I hope Fields does. I'm looking forward to that, but not optimistic. I think Arizona just too much pulls away, uh, ends up winning 27 to 13 over the Bears. The Los Angeles Chargers and that defense that just can't stop the run and that offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, who doesn't seem to know how special his quarterback is, as you alluded to, <laughs> traveling to Cincinnati to take on these Cincinnati Bengals coming off a dramatic thumping over the Pittsburgh Steelers last Sunday. 
I think the Chargers play a much better game this week than they did against my Broncos last week. But I think their weaknesses up front on defense are just too much. And I fully expect the Bengals to exploit that and the Bengals win this game. How well do they exploit that? Stay tuned for bowl predictions. Oh, I like it. Yeah, I'm on Team Cincinnati here. Um, Win-Cincinnati. Remember, it's Win-Cincinnati. win baby. Win-Cincinnati. Throw some chili on my pasta, whatever. I, I'm all on, on the Bengals. Easy win, 33-20 to 20 over the Chargers this week. The Minnesota Vikings will be without Dalvin Cook, although Alexander Madison is no slouch. But they traveled to Detroit to take on the Lions, who have covered the spread in seven of their 11 games this season. And the Lions came oh so close last week against the Bears, oh so close against the Browns, oh so close against the Steelers. And earlier this year, they had the Vikings beat until a last-minute, last uh, uh, half-a-minute drive from Kirk Cousins set up the Vikings for a game-winning field goal. It stops this week. The losing has just got to stop. The Lions are a much better team than their 0-10-1 record will suggest. Yes, they still have a lot of pieces to add for the long haul, but I just love what Dan Campbell is doing. He has these guys playing hard week after week after week. They're long overdue for a win. I know I keep saying this, but, but I'm sick of saying this. The Lions win this week. I like the Lions. David, I, I feel the same way. This is not this terrible you know team that's going to go zero and 16 and one you know there's talent on both sides of the ball the defense isn't as bad as it looks the offense isn't as bad as it looks jared goff gotta have a good game one of these weeks i mean there's some talent there he was the number one pick overall for god's sakes i'm i'm on board with you here you know if there's a team that's capable of blowing it i'll give it to minnesota I'll say Detroit 21, Minnesota 20. You won me over on this one, David. I'm coming along off the ride. Sound that simpatico alert, Hal. Beep, 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 beep. We're there. We are there. All right. Hopefully this will be the first win for the Lions in the Dan Campbell era. The New York Giants, who are expected to be starting Mike Glennon at quarterback this week because Daniel Jones is dealing with a neck strain, traveling to Miami to take on a red-hot Miami Dolphins team, who after starting 1-7, and they've won four in a row, and they're receiving amazing contributions from this rookie class. Jalen Waddle has 77 receptions so far this season. He is a yardage after the catch monster, exactly like the player he was at Alabama. Uh, some people say the Dolphins uh, blew that first round pick by trading up for him. People are starting to swallow that take right now. Wouldn't you say so, Hal? I would definitely say so. Uh, you're seeing what everybody saw in Waddle and why he can be so special. Uh, he was one of my favorites coming out of the draft as well. And, you know, Miami, you can use him so many ways. They've got to stay creative with that offense to get the ball in his hands, whether it's, you know, on the end around, uh, whether it's those short passes, the wide receiver screens, get him out in space, uh, you know, whichever of these co-offensive coordinators are drawing up these plays, draw up some more for him. He's your top offensive talent. Using him has been helpful for that offense. And it really helps to a quarterback as well. Uh, having one of these yak guys there that can uh, turn those four yard completions into 24 yards. You said it. And on defense, Jalen Phillips, he is playing like a monster yeah. too. He's got eight sacks this year and he's constantly disruptive. 
add Javon Holland, their rookie safety out of Oregon. He is a multifaceted chess piece. You could play mid coverage, blitz him off the edge, blitz him up the middle. You could do anything with Javon Holland. He is that special. This Dolphins team appears to have turned the corner. Do they make the playoffs? I'm still not sure. I still would bet against it, but they are playing more and more like the team, at least the good side of the team that we saw last year. I like them in this game against the Giants. I think uh, Mike Glennon has a long, long day against that defense. Yeah, I, I don't see the Giants scoring a lot of points here with Mike Glennon. Um, you know, even if they had Steely Dan, it'd be tough to call it upset here for the Giants as well. I think Miami takes it pretty easily, uh, 24 to 13 over the G-Men. The Eagles, who laid an egg against the G-Men last week, as I kind of expected them to, traveled back to East Rutherford to take on Robert Sala's New York Jets. Jalen Hurts said today that he plans to play in this game, but he is not going to be 100%. He's probably not going to be able to use his legs. And that is a dangerous formula going up against an extremely underrated New York Jets front four. Obviously, we know about Quinton Williams, but how about John Franklin Myers? This guy has come out of nowhere, and Robert Sala is turning him into a stud. My goodness, he almost single-handedly won that game for the Jets last week with that amazing interception and getting it to Tyrod Taylor's face all game long. This Jets defensive line is going to keep Jalen Hurts bottled up, force him into some key mistakes, and the Jets are able to win because of that and mostly that. I like the Jets. Oh, I like your optimism there. I can almost see it happening. And then I think about that Jets offense with Zach Wilson at quarterback and I go, can they win it 10 to nine? I just don't see it happening. Uh, I, I think there's a big pick six in Zach Wilson here, and that's going to be the difference in the game. And that game that the Jets should win 10 to nine is going to be Philadelphia 16, Jets 10. The Indianapolis Colts, after a gut-wrenching loss to the Bucks, everything seemed to be going oh-so-right for them that entire game until that uh, Shaq Barrett uh, strip sack of Carson Wentz turned the tie in the second half. But this is a get-right game for them, going up against the Houston Texans, who showed their true colors last week against the Jets. And the Colts are a far better team than the Jets. Colts should have no problem winning this game. They absolutely crushed the Texans in Indy in October. They crushed them again in Houston this week at I like the Colts in a very, very easy 31 to 10 victory. Yeah. I, my only concern, you know, for Indy is that was a gut wrenching loss to Tampa. Um, they're coming up on the bye week after this game at Houston, they're going to be looking ahead to their big matchup with new England after the bye. It might be a little bit of looking ahead uh, fever there going on that might make the game a little bit closer and it's a divisional game. I, strange things are going to happen. Indy's going to win. Houston's going to cover the spread. I've got it 20 to 13 for Indy over Houston. The Washington football team and the Taylor Heineke express Taylor Heineke has been playing some very, very good football in recent weeks. Traveling to Las Vegas to take on the Raiders, who got their season back on track with a dramatic Thanksgiving Day win in Dallas. I understand why some people would pick Washington in this game because of the way they're playing and how Ron Rivera teams generally look uh, in this part of the season after a slow start. But I'm going to have to go with the Raiders because, uh, yes, no Darren Waller, but uh, 
the absence of both Chase Young and Mata Sweat, it's going to have to hurt Washington at some point soon. And I think it hurts them in this game. They're not going to be able to pressure Derek Carr. Derek Carr is going to be able to lean on uh, Hunter Renfro, Brian Edwards, and a couple of the uh, deep shots to Deshaun Jackson. And that'll be enough for the Raiders to eke out a hard fought 27 to 20 win. I don't know. I'm kind of buying into the Tyler Heineke hype here for Washington. I, I, I like what I'm seeing. I think I'm going to take, I, I think this game is, uh, uh, you know, going to be a close one. Not going to be a defensive battle in any way, shape, or form, but I think I'm going to take Washington in this one in overtime, 34 to 28. And how does that happen? Well, that's my bold prediction. Oh, Broncos and Chargers fans are praying, praying, praying that you're right there, Hal. And moving right along here, the Jacksonville Jaguars at that unwatchable Urban Meyer show traveling to SoFi Stadium to take on the Rams, who have been reeling lately. Uh, the Rams, as you mentioned, they have a very, very tough schedule to conclude the 2021 season. It's going to be a gauntlet, but this is the calm before the storm, and it's a super calm before the storm. The Jaguars, they look like the worst coach team in football. They just do not do a great job of giving their opponents a challenge week after week after week. It's going to be no different this week. The Rams and even a banged up Matthew Stafford should be able to rip apart this Jaguars defense. And uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to have a long, long, long day going up against uh, Aaron Donald and Von Miller. I like the Rams 30 to 13. Yeah, I've got that pretty close to that score as well. This is the get right game for the Rams. The reset, uh, make everything work on offense against a bad defense. I've got it. The Rams, one more touchdown than you had, 37 to 13 over Jacksonville. The Baltimore Ravens, after that ugly, ugly, Ooh. ugly win over the Cleveland Browns on Sunday Night Football. Oh, my God, that was a sloppy, unwatchable game, wasn't it? <laughs> it oh, my God. Terrible. Oh, terrible. Yes. Traveling to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. This could be a do-or-die game for the Steelers' season, but they might not have their best player, T.J. Watt, as he tested positive for COVID-19. Yes, he's vaccinated, but it's still going to be an uphill battle for him to play this weekend. The Ravens say they're preparing as if he will play, but deep down in their hearts, I think they know he's not going to play, and that absence alone is going to be enough for the Ravens to eke out another ugly, ugly-looking win Ravens 20, Steelers 17. This is, again, one of these games where I'm just going to go with my gut. I don't have anything to back this up other than when you put Mike Tomlin's back against the wall, I think he's going to get his team to respond. Baltimore looked terrible last week. Um, I think their offense isn't going to be able to take advantage of that in this situation. And somehow, some way, Mike Tomlin wills his Steelers to victory. I've got it. Pittsburgh 24, Baltimore 20. That wouldn't be surprising because in a divisional battle, especially one between the Ravens and the Steelers, anything, and I mean anything, can happen. The red-hot 49ers, albeit minus Offensive Player of the Year candidate Debo Samuel traveling to Seattle to take on the really slumping, stumbling, bumbling, tumbling <laughs> Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson did rush back. This was a game where I thought maybe without Debo Samuel, I picked the Seahawks in an upset, but what is there to trust about the Seattle Seahawks, even with Russell Wilson, even if he is showing signs of getting back to full strength? 
None. They always take the ball out of his hands at the worst possible time, and they're going to do so again and again and again this game. And the 49ers should be able to have no problem running the ball all game long against the Seahawks even to keep Russ off the field anyways. Even without Debo Samuel, I like the 49ers in a relatively easy 20-10 to 10 victory. Yeah, I, I, I feel exactly the same, David. I just don't see Seattle getting up for this game. Uh, San Francisco is rolling. Without Debo, I think the difference is they score 30 points instead of 40. So I'm going San Francisco 30, Seattle 17. Indeed. And Sunday night in Kansas City, first place in the AFC West on the line between the Broncos and the Chiefs. Oh, my God. If you told me that this game would have such implications a couple weeks ago, I would have said you were nuts and you needed to get some Ritalin and a straight jacket for crying out loud. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. The Broncos coming off a very impressive showing last week against the Chargers, but the Chiefs have appeared to hit their stride at exactly the right time. And this is the telling number here. Andy Reid and his career coming off a of bye week, 19 and three. And in three out of the four games, the Broncos have played against the Chiefs in the Vic Fangio era. The Chiefs have won handily in three of them. I just do not see this Jekyll and Hyde Broncos team keeping up with the Chiefs. It's going to be a very, very ugly Sunday night game. Chiefs 27, Broncos 10. Ooh. David, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm believing in that Broncos defense. I'm believing in it. It's, you know, I like it. They can run the ball. You've got Melvin Gordon. You've got Javante Williams. If Teddy Bridgewater can stay upright. You've got a chance when you keep Drew Locke on the sideline. I hate to pick against Kansas City. I think they're the better team. I think that, you know, at home, they have a huge advantage. In prime time, coming off a bye, they have a huge advantage. But come on, this is 2021. When has anything made any sense in any of these games? I mean, based on this season, the Broncos have to win. So in that case, Broncos 24, Chiefs 20. Oh, my God, Hal. If you are right, I am going to absolutely shower you with more <laughs> praise than you'll ever hear in your life on next week's program. And now it's time for our bowl predictions for week 13. You go first here, Hal. All right. So I, I told you I'm starting to believe in Washington and Tyler Haneke. I see a big, big game for him this week. How is he going to do this? How is he going to pull the upset over the Raiders? How does he avoid that pass rush? I don't know how he's going to do it, but I'm going to tell you, he's going to complete 40 passes, 350 plus yards, four touchdowns in the, in regulation. And finally, one more huge touchdown in overtime to win the game for Washington. Five touchdowns, 350-plus yards. Tyler Heineke making his statement for, hey, bring me back as the starter next year. You're going to see it this week. That's my bold prediction. My bold prediction, as I alluded to, we go to Cincinnati, where Joe Mixon, after running for 160-plus yards last week against the Steelers, will set the NFL single-game rushing yardage record this Sunday against the Chargers. That is my bold prediction. Woo, that is bold. I like it, David. 
We shall see, but if there's any opponent for Joe Mixon to set such a record, it is the Chargers, as we saw them against Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams last week. And last but not least, we always conclude these programs with our challenge flags, and I will go first here. My challenge flag goes to the Buffalo Bills. Bills, the secret to beating a good to great New England Patriots team like this one, you have to be willing to beat them at their own game. The Patriots love to run the ball. You run the ball more than ever in this game and try to out-physical their defensive line. The Patriots love to lean on their defense and take pressure off of Mac Jones. Take as much pressure off of Josh Allen as you can and have your defense win their matchups up front and get in Mac Jones' face all game long. Win with a Patriot-style formula of running the football and playing good defense. I agree. That is the way to do it. Great challenge there, David. My challenge flag is going to Sean McVay and the Rams. You've got your get well game this week. You've got a gauntlet coming up to finish off this season. When we say get well, that doesn't just mean throw the ball and light up Jacksonville. That means get back to what made your offense so special. That means get your running backs involved. Daryl Henderson, Sony Michelle in the running game, in the passing game, set up that play action. Let Matthew Stafford not have to air the ball out to win the game. Let him succeed the way that offense succeeded in the past. Don't change your offense. Get back to what worked for the Rams. What got you to a Super Bowl with freaking golf at quarterback? back you can do so much better get back to your main principles sean mcveigh and get ready for that gauntlet because that offense is going to have to be top notch down the stretch he is hal bentley's gentlemen of faucetsportpage.com and full press coverage you can follow him on twitter at hal bent zero one hal thank you so much once again for joining us and that's it for today here on sports crunch but we'll be back same time next week to recap week 13 preview week 14 and discuss all the latest news and notes from around the national football league. So stay tuned. Meanwhile, you can follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and on Instagram at sports crunch with dcrom. And remember that's crunch with a K also be sure to check out the new and improved SportsCrunch.com. In addition, thank you to all who donated to the Denver Broncos cheerleaders cheer for the troops campaign. Many U S military personnel serving overseas will receive a much needed care package for the holidays. Thanks to you. For Hal Bent, this is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome, and enjoy another fun, wild weekend of football, cats and kittens. Stay cool.